You're listening to the Red Moon Radio Podcast, episode number Lucky 13. Today we're talking to Stephen Artemis of Brooklyn, New York's garage blues band, The Falling Birds. Red Moon Radio is a weekly podcast dedicated to garage, psychedelic, fuzz, and lo-fi, as well as good old-fashioned rock and roll from around the world. We bring you the best new music and interviews, introducing you to your new favorite band. The show is produced every Monday and is available on Podomatic at redmoonradio.podomatic.com and on Stitcher at stitcher.com slash red-moon-radio. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes by searching for Red Moon Radio. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Red Moon Radio 1, on Facebook at facebook.com slash redmoonradio. Get in touch with us by email at redmoonradio2015 at gmail.com and watch for us along with the other music junkies on the website 53rdand3rd.com. Links to the bands and extras are available in the show notes on our Podomatic and Stitcher pages, as well as on 53rdand3rd.com. Come back often and add us to your favorites. Now let's get on with the show. Hi again and welcome to the Red Moon Radio podcast. Aaron here. Thanks for tuning in today and checking us out. Today's episode is great with lots of amazing music, so I'm really happy you've decided to tune in. Before we begin this week's show, don't forget that all previous episodes of the podcast are available for your listening pleasure on Podomatic, Stitcher, and through iTunes. As well, check out the podcast on 53rdand3rd.com, where each week the shows are posted along with additional content. Today's show features the singer, guitarist, and principal songwriter of The Falling Birds. The interview is coming right up. But first, let's start off the show with a track from the band's most recent release, 2015's Till We All Fall Down. The song is the opening track, Sweet Things That Kill. Check it out. <laughs>
guest is Stephen Artemis of Brooklyn, New York's The Falling Birds. Blending a variety of influences, Stephen, along with his bandmate Dave Allen, creates garage rock planted squarely in the blues rock and Americana tradition. They're a true DIY band, having recorded all their releases themselves, as well as touring the UK, Canada, and the Eastern US on their own. I had the pleasure to speak with Stephen via Skype from Brooklyn this weekend. Hello to Stephen Artemis of The Falling Birds. Thanks so much for joining us today on Red Moon Radio. Thanks for having me, Erin. Uh, to start off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the band? I'm Stephen Artemis. I play guitar in a band called The Falling Birds, and I sing, and I play some harmonica too. And um, my drummer is David Allen. And so we started the band um, about four years ago, I would say. At this point, I'd say we really got serious you know, about it with recording and touring and stuff maybe two years ago. And so, yeah, I mean, as a guitar player, I just learned how to play on my own. I actually, the first instrument I had was a, was a saxophone. And I, you know, my parents got it for me in band in elementary school. And um, I played for like a year and a half or something. And I just was so bored with it. I, I told them I didn't want to play anymore, you know, because I, I, we were playing boring songs in band, like, stuff like Might and Soldiers and stuff like that. And I, I hated it. You know, I wanted to rock. So I, I quit the saxophone. And that was a big deal with my parents because they'd saved up all kinds of money to buy buy a sax. And, and then I you know gave it up. So they were not so happy about that. And then uh, the next year I turned around and I, I was like, okay, you know, I guess this must have been actually in maybe sixth grade or something like that. I was probably 13 or 14. And I said, I want to, you know, play play guitar and they're like no way we just dropped all this money on on a saxophone for you and you quit in like a year and a half um but i really wanted to so i saved up you know i was like doing whatever i was doing sorting bottles and stuff like that for my mom for my allowance and saved up and i bought this huge guitar and then you know just learned how to play it and by like listening to records put stuff on repeat and playing over and over learning by ear and stuff like that so that's a little bit about how I learned to play guitar and where where that came from. And that's me. I played the clarinet, so I can relate to your saxophone story. Oh, yeah. That was one of my options, clarinet, saxophone, or slide trombone. All of us wanted to play the saxophone, but there's only so many saxes in a band. Right. So the, all the extras who wanted to play sax but didn't get it got the clarinet. <laughs> Clarinet's cool. So the main core of the band is you and Dave, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Are you the principal songwriter, or do you guys work together? Um. Yeah, I'm the principal songwriter. So I'll, I'll generally write, you know, write something. I'll write a lot of things and bring them to Dave, and we'll just kind of just jam on them and try out, you know, new stuff. And then, you know, when Dave plays on the song, it, it always takes on a little bit new character and, and maybe a new direction that I wasn't really expecting, and so. I'll basically kind of write the stuff and um, present it to him and then maybe fill in pieces that could be better or, or uh, you know, like a bridge or something that we, we want to wanna work on and hammer out. So that's the way we sort of write together. And you guys have been playing together for about four years, you said? Yeah. 
How did you come together? What was the impetus to bring you guys together? Well, we both are transplants to New York. So I moved down here from Albany, New York, from upstate uh, where I grew up. And then and Dave moved up to New York from Florida. So I think when we, when we both got here, it's kind of funny. It's like it's a big city. People are packed in here. People are literally sort of on top of one another. And it's really crowded. But you don't, you know, when you move here, you don't know anybody. So there's like all these people around all the time, but everybody's a stranger. It's really kind of a, a weird thing. And um, we both wanted to be in bands, but we didn't have a network of musicians or really any, anybody to connect us or any way to connect with other people who were like-minded. So we both really wanted to be in a band, and we, we actually just found each other just on, on the Internet. I found a lot of people on the Internet that wanted to play, and I, and I jammed with a lot of people and I had a few drummers, maybe I only had one other drummer, but I had a few bassists and stuff, and people come, you know, we're coming and going, and it takes a lot of commitment to be in a band, so, um, and be serious about it. Yeah, there was just a lot of, a lot of people, but Dave and I, like, just got together and, and vibed really well, and it really just worked, so that's kind of how we, we met. What's the inspiration behind the band name? <laughs> um, there's, Kind of, there's like two ways that the, the band name goes. Uh, the the Eevee story that I tell. Do you want the Eevee story or do you want the the more complicated version or do you want both? Uh, give me give me both. <laughs> All right, so I'll give you the easy one first. So the, the easy one is just that when I was first gigging, I set up my first gig as the Falling Birds as a two piece. It was just me and a, a drummer that I had before Dave. We set up this gig at the New Yorican Poets Cafe, which is in Alphabet City, and we didn't have a name yet, and as they should, the venue was like, you, know, you guys really got to get a name, because we got to put this on our website, and we got to you know, maybe advertise a little bit, maybe get some people to come, and uh, I said, you know, that's a good idea, we should probably go with the So, we were just kicking around names and trying to find a name, and, you know, we had like two weeks to, to get a name together, which is really short period of time to pick your band name. Something you're going to be stuck with. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, naming a child. You know, you, you put more than two weeks thought into it, hopefully. So it couldn't really come up with a name. And then in the news, there was this news story that this like flock of birds actually, they fell out of the sky in Arkansas. And they all fell out of the sky and they all, they all just like, just died, and uh, I was like, ooh, girl, you know, that's a, that's a really bad omen, but <laughs> it was kind of cool, so I, I thought about it, like the falling birds, I was like, you know, that, that's kind of cool, I'll, I'll take that, that omen. So the other story is that I kind of thought about that happening, and I was thinking about sort of like a, you know, like, kind of like a fish out of water, I moved to New York, and David moved to New York, and we all, I mean, I was playing with musicians and people and who sort of like always wanted to play music but you know couldn't because at the time we weren't on really stable footing as a new transplant to the city you know you're just scraping together to get rent and and have a roof over your head and stuff like that so there was really very little time to to play music and to practice and stuff for for a band and so kind of just felt like a, like a fish out of water, you know, at that at that point. So sort of like the falling birds, like, you know, you're supposed to be doing one thing and, and you're not, you know, you're 
kind of feeling your phone a little bit. So I sort of blended the actual occurrence of these birds falling out of the sky with just sort of how I was feeling and, and kind of built it as a metaphor for how I was feeling at the time. So you guys have a couple of EPs and some singles. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your most recent recording and then kind of go back in time? So, yeah, the, the most recent one is Till We All Fall Down. Um, I think it's a six-song EP, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And um, we recorded it uh, in our rehearsal spot in Brooklyn. Here we, We've got a little, little share that we have with a couple other bands. and We would uh, show up and basically set up all our microphones and play live in the room and, you know, hit record on, on our own uh, gear that we bought for the uh, for the record. And it took us a, it took a while to record. I mean, it, it took months and months because we were showing up. We've got two nights a week at this, at this share that we do and setting up everything and recording and breaking it all back down, you know. So it was a lot of work, but it was really cool because we got it. First of all, we had a lot of obviously control and, and things that we could do to make sure that we got the take that we wanted because we had as much time as we, studio time, quote unquote, as we needed. Um, but really, I mean, it, it launched us to a different sort of atmosphere when, when we talk about like knowing how to record stuff and, and learning the recording pro- process and mic placement and all the things, all the technical things that go into engineering an album your own so we recorded it over a, a number of months and um did it all diy on the cheap and um put it out there and put out a demo and off the demo we actually booked a european tour which worked out pretty well and we booked some shows in canada some places in, in the u.s boston and new york and stuff it was really cool so that's the most recent ep of ours the very first EP that we did, we also recorded DIY at our friend's house, Nate. So if you look at the credits on that, it's Nate Thorpe that uh, recorded it with us. So that one we did over a couple of days at his apartment mostly. And then we did some of the vocals and stuff like that at my friend's house in, in Bushwick. That was also sort of a, a DIY venture. There's a single that we put out called all the little things are adding up, which uh, my friend Nick actually played drums on. Dave was traveling around the world. He was down in South America at the time. So this was last summer, so we had some time to just kind of sit around and and write songs and record stuff. And and that's a little slide tune that we actually just recorded, just guitar and drums in the room and knocked it out in like a few hours. It was pretty cool.
Have you connected with any labels or any studios or anything? Uh, yeah, we've had a few labels approach us about some opportunities. We didn't really feel like it was what we what we wanted at the time or, or sort of what, what we needed, uh, so politely declined. But um, yeah, we've had a few labels approach us, and you know that would be cool. It would be great to have 
you know, a network of support, but and I think that's really kind of where labels fit in nowadays. You're going to be responsible for recording all your stuff on your own nowadays pretty much, and then you know, the label can help you with putting the pieces together as far as distribution and, and uh, touring and things like that, and they're all a little bit different. I think labels are kind of finding themselves right now, you know, that the whole game has changed, but, you know, so those are good, but, you know, for an independent band, you know, maybe a lot more work, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do on your own too. So just kind of has to be the right deal for us. And then um, in terms of studios, yeah, you know, studios don't, don't give you studio time for free. So like people want to record, they want to record you, they want you to pay them. You got to find the right, the right one. We're actually looking to record um, at the studio here in Brooklyn called Bigger Sonic Studios with Brian Speaker. And uh, that's likely going to be the next one that we do. When might we expect a new release? Sometime this year, for sure. We'd like to get it out before the summer. So maybe May or something like that would be nice. But it still needs to be recorded and still needs to be mastered. And, and we got it put money together to to release it, you know, and, and all that stuff. We're going to release it the right way, get a video and everything behind it. So um, take a little time, but hopefully this year. Yeah. So all of those, all of the music that you mentioned is available digitally. Did you ever do any physical releases as well? I don't know. Do CDs count as a physical release? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we, we have some CDs. We haven't done um, vinyl, but the next one that we do, we're, we're planning on doing vinyl. Again, I mean, vinyl's expensive, and if you're not pumping out a lot of them, you know, obviously the, the per unit cost you know, goes up. So we'd love to do some physical stuff and get some vinyls out there because there's definitely demand for it. But, you know, as, a, as an independent band, a little, you know, a little guy here, we uh, we need to have the right distribution in place if that's going to happen. And, and uh, the big bands, you know, like, uh, like Jack White, I mean, you can... You can cut vinyl, and you know it's going to be out everywhere at every record shop, and you know it makes sense um, for us. It would be more like a specialty type thing, but we'd love to do that. Um, all the music is available digitally through our website or on all the the main pages like Amazon and, and uh, iTunes and stuff like that. It's all it's all out there on Spotify. So speaking of Jack White, you sent a couple of songs of bands that have been influential or that you really like. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you chose? Uh, I chose, and this may not necessarily represent Dave, because he's, he's actually having fun in New Orleans right now with his family. So I, this is strictly me talking here. But, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> I put the White Stripes Jimmy the Exploder on the list of uh, songs that I found influential. I just, that's one of those records that I just don't ever get tired of. It's I think it's so cool how it's a it's a new take on sort of blues. I just I like that whole original White Stripes record, the whole thing. But I you know, Jack White is a big influence on me. When I first heard I think it was White Blood Cells, probably the first White Stripes album that I heard. And it for me it it was like a time in my life where, you know, hip hop hip hop is a is a great art form and, and it was like dominant at the time but it wasn't I don't think around that era that's like 2000 I think is when that album came out yeah around then it, it wasn't um, hip hop wasn't very good in my opinion around that time <laughs> it was an art form sort of on, on its decline off the 90s and and, uh, and then I heard 
that album and I was like, oh man, like, yeah, it is cool to play rock and roll again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, somebody, totally. Somebody's out there doing it and, and rock music at the time was horrible too, in my opinion. Yes. You know, yeah. It was like all these just mediocre bands out there. Um, there's a few that were, were, you know, really good and, and sort of the torch carrier, but that album put me mentally back into a space where it's like, okay, cool. We can play rock and we can, you know, play blues influenced rock and it's real cool. And then I started digging back further into the White Stripes and that's where, you know, Jimmy Exploder, uh, how that found its way onto the uh, playlist. It's just a big influence on me and changed my, my outlook. So I put that one on there and then I also threw on the Velvet Underground, Oh Sweet Nothing, which is just a awesome record. It's one of those ones that I, you know, like I had it on a mixed CD that I put together, and I would just like put the song on repeat and just play along to it on my guitar. It's three chords. It's so simple, and the guitar solo is awesome at the end. and And I would just sort of play along to it and and learn how to scale and figure out my fretboard on the guitar. The Velvet Underground is just amazing. You know, they make it okay to to break out of the box. You know, for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to get that on there. And then the other two songs I put on are a little bit more more recent and I think reflect some more of my interest in more current sort of Americana style music. And the first is Carrie Ann Hurst and Michael Trent, which is, they, they have a band called Shovels and Rope. Do you know those guys? No, I don't. Yeah, Shovels and Rope, I, I really dig that band. They're awesome. The song is Magdalena and they're just really good songwriters and I like that they sort of, they, they tend to write a little bit more on the darker side of life, you know, and the, the old the old blues fashion. So I, I think that was really kind of, really cool. And, and that song in particular is, is really cool, but that whole album is pretty good. And then Chris Steele and Michael Davis, that song Rain and Snow, which is just, I mean, just wailing. They just wail on it. <laughs> it's awesome. You can hear the mix of, you know, folk and blues mixed together on that song. They just rock it. Do that on there too.
influence comes out in The Falling Birds and the kind of Americana influence as well, but definitely like the blues rock kind of reigns supreme, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, in that, in the last EP, I think it, it definitely comes out as the dominant sort of 
style. But um, there's, you know, there's a lot of other other things that that sort of reign supreme. Like, you know, my, my influences in, in punk rock and grunge rock are really important in the music too. And blues and, and folk are really important because folk, especially, I, I think people have the hardest time seeing the folk connection. But I feel like, you know, folk music being generally pretty simple in its chord structure and then paying a lot of attention to lyrical quality is kind of really, really, really important for me. And it's, it's also something, you know, it's one of those, those genres that when you're playing songs like what's on our last record all the time, you need a break from all that. So to listen to some, some new stuff and get some new ideas in a different sort of environment, you know, I like to, I like to go to the folk world for that. But yeah, blues is just, I heard Hendrix, like I bought Electric Ladyland and I was like, oh, you know, people can do that? Okay, what are you saying? <laughs> it, like, it, it set off a chain reaction of me like trying to figure out how to play guitar like that for the next, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many years, a lot of years. So it's it's definitely the dominant thing, but not too far in front of some of the other areas that are really influential. So you were mentioning that you toured Europe and also Canada and a little bit in the States. Tell us about the tour. Where did you go? How was the reaction of, of the crowd? So last summer, we went to Canada. And, we, you know, it was just a little mini tour. We, we went up there. We played Ottawa. We played Toronto. I think we had two, two dates in Ottawa. So we were just kind of like rolling around Canada for a little bit. And they were great up there, especially in Ottawa. They were they were amazing. Like It reminded me of my hometown when, when I was younger up in Albany, people just going out to a show and not caring if you know the band or not, just rocking out and having a great time. So Ottawa was great. And then in the UK, that was amazing. I mean, people people in the UK, they just love their rock and roll, you know, and they're really supportive of it. I think they're really supportive of smaller bands. They just seem more willing to support you without knowing who you are first, which in the U.S., I feel like people people are maybe react, oh, I don't know that band, so I'm not going to go see it, but a lot of people in the in the U.K., the reaction is different. It's like, oh, I don't know that band, maybe I should check them out. You know, it's just, it's just a different, just a little tiny difference, but it was really cool. And we went from, we flew into London. We did our first gig there. We went up the coast and then back down. And um, it took us 10 days. Uh, and we did five shows and I think two radio appearances in those 10 days. It was just like a whirlwind, but it was really great. You know, it was awesome. Did you play with other bands or were it, was it just you guys? Yeah, we played with a bunch of other bands, some really cool bands over there. It's been Highwire Brigade and Animal Noise was amazing. Paul Henshaw, we played with. There's a bunch of them. Ark Royal is a great band that we played with. Yeah, we, we gigged with some of the local talent that was there, and I mean, we were just blown away every time by, by how good the talent was. And some of that, a lot of that actually is, we can thank our tour manager over there in the UK, Sam, for uh, for putting it all together and putting together the shows and stuff like that, just having good taste yourself. So. so you're in New York City, which is like a major music hub. Yeah. What is the scene like for you and, and the band and just in general in terms of your kind of music, like this garage rock, and what are some of your favorites right now? The scene in New York is wild because 
really, I mean, everybody that lives here could, I mean, you could go and see any kind of show pretty much any night of the week that you want to, you know. So it's cool. There's a lot of music, but there's a lot of choices. So it's, you know, the scene is, I think, harder to, to really stand out. It took a while longer here to, to stand out than maybe in other other parts of the other parts of the country or other places I've, I've gigged at because there's just so many, there's just so much here, you know, and it's all different kinds of music too. It's hip hop and funk and the folk scene and you know just everything. EDM is huge in in New York and Brooklyn, so the scene is cool. You know, for for garage bands like us, it's great. I mean, there's there's some hotbed places that have you know that, that have that kind of music and, and support it so you know we, we're having a good time just just gigging around here and more and more people keep coming out so it's great you know people are super supportive can't complain do you have any shows or other tours planned in the near future oh yeah so actually march 5th at the shop in bushwick uh, that's in brooklyn we've got a show we're going to be opening for the black lilies on march 5th they're uh, they're touring the country. They're out of Knoxville. They're great. They're a uh, they're like an Americana rock band. They definitely have have like this kind of cool southern sort of lean to them, which I think is really cool. But they sound great, and, and so we're we're going to be opening in support of them. And then uh, after that, we head over to South by. We head over to Austin. Um, so we've got two shows during South by. Uh, which if you go, it's going to be the 16th and 17th so far. We may pick up a few more. We'll see about that. But we'll be there. And um, if you just check us out on uh, on our website, which is thefallingbirds.com, or you know Facebook or Twitter or anything, you, know, you can you can see where where we're going to be for South by. And we come back, and we are in the midst of hopefully planning something, a little tour down the coast, maybe going as far down as uh, Richmond, Virginia. We're thinking Richmond, Washington, Philly, and then maybe back up to New York. Right on. South by is such a great festival. It's super fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. It'll be awesome. So you sent a really gorgeous image to use for the podcast. That's kind of your like logo. Can you tell us a little bit about the image and where that came from? Who did it for you? Yeah, we had an artist um, who's better than me at <laughs> put it together for us and it was something that I, I thought up and that I, I kind of wanted as our logo and sort of tried to describe it to artists and I can't remember his name right now we've had it for years but um yeah so I just I've always been a fan of some of like the, the punk rock imagery like punk rock posters and stuff like that you know like the Dead Kennedys that era like all those bands that were running around uh, and the show posters that they have are just like really strong imagery. Maybe to the point where like some people are could be uncomfortable. I just like the edginess of that sort of approach, and I thought that fitting that with our approach to kind of to the blues would be would be appropriate. So just kind of you know put it together and kicked around some ideas of so the bird skull and and the headdress and stuff, and, uh, we, you know, we thought it came out pretty awesome, but in terms of what it all means, you know, I'll leave that, I'll leave that up to, to you, to the viewer. 
you mentioned recording a new album at some point and getting that out this year and and you want a video you do have at least one official video that i know of for my girl right yes yeah our friends at april summer films put that together they just they did a great job i mean our friends april and summer and they're april summer films and they just they killed it i mean they just rocked it so yeah we've got one official video got a bunch of live videos Lit Riot Press has been um, covering some of our shows, so uh, I think they're going to be at the next show at um, the shop. So we'll have some more video out there. But, yeah, we're looking to put together another official video uh, for the next release. So a lot, all of that is available through your website. Before we go, maybe you can tell people how to connect with you guys and where they can find your music. Yeah, well, the easiest way is just to go to thefallingbirds.com. It's got everything on there. It's got our show listings. It's got the music that you can stream or download, you know, photos. It's got all our videos there. So just one easy place. It's also got links to all of our social media. Uh, we're most active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, there's the YouTube channel that has all our videos on there. So it's really just, you know, search The Falling Birds throw it in Google or, or put that in your search on Facebook or, or Insta or, or Twitter and you'll get us. Right on. Stephen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been really great touching base with you and uh, learning a little bit more about the band. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate you guys taking interest in putting new music out there. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks again to Stephen for speaking with Red Moon Radio this week. It was great to talk to him and learn more about the band. During the interview, we heard one of the Falling Birds songs, which was released as a single, All the Little Things Are Adding Up. In addition, we heard a couple of songs from some of the artists that Stephen enjoys, including The White Stripes with Jimmy the Exploder, The Velvet Underground with Oh Sweet Nothing, Carrie Ann Hurst and Michael Trent with Magdalena, and Chris Thyle and Michael Davies with Rain and Snow. The set was eclectic and is a nice representation of Stephen's influences in The Falling Birds. To continue, let's hear a couple more tracks from The Falling Birds, from their latest release, Till We All Fall Down. We'll hear My Girl, the song for which the band recorded an official video. And from their first EP, entitled Native America, we'll hear Darling.
With that, another episode of Red Moon Radio has come to an end. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did this week. To end the show, here's one more song from the Falling Birds' latest effort, Till We All Fall Down, the title and closing track on the EP. Thanks again so much to Stephen Artemis for an amazing interview, and thanks to you for tuning in. Until next week.
See you.